Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us as he does every Saturday at 10 o'clock, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. I don't know how much of that you got to hear, but moose are certainly an interesting animal in Colorado. I know you want to talk deer and elk, but I believe you were just recently involved in a moose hunt. I was, Terry. I had uh, I had an amazing experience. You know, Mandy's dad, um, everybody hears about my wife being a major hunter. She harvested moose two years ago. Uh, her dad had to tag this year. Um, you know, and I, I want to say he had 26 years into the draw, but either way, he had a long run uh, applying for moose in Colorado. He got the tag, and it's literally been his mission all summer to, to scout and find a big bull. And, um, you know, coming from a gentleman who, who has guided moose hunts in Alaska for 17 years, uh, more on the Yukon side, you know, harvesting 70 inch bulls, um, you know, coming down here to the Shiras species, he, he was looking for a giant. Um, and I kind of joined this task literally for about the, the last month we've done nothing but but scour the high country um looking for for big bull moose and we had an incredible hunt um you know we kind of were were we were together we were separate we kind of moved all over the place just you know looking for for the biggest bulls in the area um and the season started last saturday uh and he he was able to harvest that bull on a tuesday and in four days uh myself i saw five bulls in the 50 inch range um he saw a bunch of big bulls so absolutely incredible what our moose population is doing here. Not only do we have numbers of moose and how they're spreading out into, to, you know, everywhere. I live in Conifer and we have moose walking around. Um, but the sheer size of some of these Shiras moose, it's unbelievable. You know, where I think so many people see a 30-inch wide bull or a 40-inch wide bull. Um, and now, I mean, you know, we literally, I saw bulls this week. The biggest bull I physically laid eyes on was right around that 52, 52 and a half inches. Uh, but, I mean, seeing a 55-inch Shiras is not uncommon. We have some giant bulls. So the moose population is exciting, and hunting those those magnificent creatures is, is unbelievable. Just the, the terrain that they live in, what they when you follow one through the woods, they walk through it like they're walking on on a, a paved path. And yet I'm trying to follow them and I'm jumping up and down and I can't reach my legs over these potholes in the, the big willows and big marshes. Um, just a magnificent creature for sure. They really are. And I, one note I do want to make that I was going to bring up in the last segment is, you know, hunting or wildlife watching. Uh, if you're wildlife watching, moose are incredible to watch. But be very careful because they are the most dangerous animal in Colorado, too. So if you're, if you're not familiar with the outdoors, watch them from a distance with glasses because they can get a little mean, Nate. I'm not going to lie to you, Terry. I would say of all the creatures, I mean, yeah, we, we hunt mountain lions and bears. And I, I can honestly say, as monks of anybody listening, I've had probably as many close encounters as, as probably the average Colorado outdoorsman with all kinds of predators and all kinds of situations. And there is no doubt the moose probably put me on edge more than anything. Um, you know, and generally speaking, most of the year, it's more the cows that get ornery, especially when they have calves around. But our bulls are in full rut right now. A lot of people think that our moose rut more in October. Um, I can tell you right now, we called to these bulls all week. They are in prime 
rut. Um, so it is definitely something to be cautious with. I can't tell you how many bulls this week uh, that literally I, I walked into just while scouting. And, I mean, just by physically seeing me, you know, they roll those eyes kind of in the back of their head and you just see white. And they do that big moose sway. And that's basically just their style of, of showing that dominance. And, I mean, it's, uh, it's an eerie feeling. And this kind of brings me on to a subject. I want to talk about the rut. I want to talk about deer hunting. But I do want to say one thing, especially as I encountered it this week. I've been in the woods every day. We wrapped up that moose hunt on Tuesday. I've been helping some friends on some deer hunts and sheep hunts. Um, right now in Colorado, we have everything going on. It is peak fishing. But on top of that, it is hunting. We have our moose hunts going on. We have got thousands and thousands of hunters pursuing elk with archery equipment, uh, as well as muzzleloader equipment that's going to wrap up tomorrow. Um, we also have all the deer hunters out. There's sheep. There's goat. So all the hunting aspects are in the mountains. But we also have some of the, the, the biggest spectaculars in Colorado, which is watching our aspen leaves change colors. Um, so we have a, a massive influx of outdoor enthusiasts looking at fall colors, trail hiking, mountain biking. We also have all of the hunters out there. We also have these big bull moose that are rutting and kind of grumpy. So there's so much interaction between people and wildlife and hunters. Um, I want to touch base on that real quick because I think there's a, there's a very drastic difference of possibly the, the outdoor enthusiast that's enjoying the fall colors and the outdoor enthusiast that's, that, that is pursuing the wild game as the hunting aspect. Um, and I just wanted to say, you know, real quick, I, I had some unbelievably great interactions this week where I had some people that literally didn't hardly even know you could hunt in Colorado. They're up looking at leaves and, you know, we're coming out of the woods, um, you know, with, with hunting gear and they're like, you can hunt it's hunting season. And, I, I took the time to explain what's going on, what the seasons are, how we hunt, and they thought it was amazing. They were like, that's so cool that you're doing it right here. Um, then I had other people that, that felt, you know, you shouldn't be accessing our national forest near where people are enjoying the fall colors. Um, so I just want to say now is the time on both aspects to really respect each other because um, there's so much use for the hunters, you know, if you do have that harvest, cover that harvest up as you're going by the major trailhead, major areas where people are enjoying fall colors. Really respect them, you know, put, put the weapons away. Have that great courteous atmosphere, you know, drive slower on the road. Don't kick up dust. Let's show that, that especially to that side, that, you know, hunters were respectful. We're enjoying the conservation side. And same thing, if you're up looking at the leaves, understand it's hunting season. So during hunting season, and, you know, I try to stick to the major trailhead. I try to stick to the major trails. So a lot of times as a hiker, when I'm hiking, I'll go all over the forest, which I have a right to do. But during hunting season, I really try to stick to the main thoroughfares just so I'm not, you know, interrupting hunts that are taking place. And if both sides really put energy into respecting each other, it's just going to make it that much more of a, a great fall as we proceed uh, through the next two to three weeks of those major fall colors and peak hunting season. Well, and I think we have a, a responsibility as sportsmen to tactfully help educate, I know Parks and Wildlife, uh, the people who aren't hunters and anglers, that it's our license fees that pay to maintain those forests and maintain that habitat and, and so that we can all understand the, the system and how it works. So what is going on with the deer, though? Let's get to that. 
Absolutely. You know, so Terry, uh, on the deer and the elk side of things, our, our deer are now hard horn. They have shed that velvet, and that oftentimes changes uh, the general patterns. Um, again, I've talked to a million different biologists and wildlife officers and hunters, and nobody really knows. I mean, obviously, it, it's you know the start of some testosterone flow, the temperature change uh, that makes them rub off that velvet. It just changes those daily patterns. Um, but the velvet is off. I would say that as we had the addition of the muzzle loaders entering the forest, uh, I would say that the deer have changed their patterns slightly. Um, and I wouldn't say it has made them any less smart. Generally speaking, when the velvet comes off, the, the summer patterns change just slightly. Sometimes it's slight migrations. Sometimes it's slight timing and they spend a little bit more time being nocturnal, a little bit less time on their feet during the day. Uh, but we are in, in we're kind of seeing that right now. We're in that phase where they're hard horned. They're, they're paying attention a little bit more. They're a little bit wiser. Um, so the biggest thing I'd say going forth as we're pursuing these deer, whether it's to this afternoon and tomorrow with a muzzleloader or continuing on with our archery season, I would really try to have a plan um, to where a week ago you could get by doing a longer hike and just glassing as you're hiking uh, and trying to find an animal that you want to pursue and then making a game plan and, and going forth after that animal. As for now, I'm really sitting far back. I'm watching with my spotting scope from a distance. I'm finding these deer. I'm watching where they're going to go, and I'm either going to make an approach as they are you know, in their, their bedding grounds during the day, or I'm going to set myself up around where those animals are bedded. I'm going to make a play on those animals right when they get out of their beds in the afternoon. But again, a week or two ago, I was able to kind of, I don't want to say random because I think it's a terrible word for this, but but I was able to just kind of kind of cruise along and really slowly hunt as I hiked, um, and I was able to get into a lot of animals where now I think that they're they're wise to the slightest sound. They're they're a little bit more keen on their nose. Um, everything's just changed a little bit between the the velvet coming off and the the overall increased pressure uh, of both styles of hunting in the woods. So the biggest thing with the deer have a plan. A lot of times people struggle with this because they're like, hey, I'm not going to harvest one from sitting up behind my spotting scope looking at them from a mile away. And people have a hard time wanting to do that. But following that animal, building that pattern, executing a flawless plan, I promise you will increase your success. So I literally just got off the mountain. Right, well, I'm still on the mountain right now, but I just hiked back uh, to my vehicle from a morning of spotting. We just put down, actually put seven bucks to bed. Uh, so have an amazing uh, opportunity for this evening's hunt. So again, having a plan on those deer is absolutely everything. And then as you switch over to the elk, same thing. I would say depending on where you are at in the state, um, the rut is taking place. These bulls are breeding cows. It is on. Now, I will say that we've had some increased pressure. We've also had a lot of, of warmer temps. That cold front hit, it got everything fired up it really put a huge increase on that rut and now we're starting to creep up in those really hot temps again um so it went from gangbusters to to a lot of the the bugling and a lot of the sounds that these animals are making is happening especially in low light and at night and not as much during the day so the biggest thing for these hunters i would say is if you're going out there and you're not hearing the the, the bugles hunters are, are really i'd say over calling right now because they heard a lot of bugling early and now it slowed down a little bit so i would really get to your hunting location 
very early in the morning. It seems like in the dark, these bulls are screaming. It seems like a lot of the, the talkative activity is really in those low light periods. Once the daylight happens, sun comes up, they're really quieting down. So you need to do your best to locate those animals in the dark. And then as it gets light, really be subtle on the calls, really soft cow calls. I'm hardly even bugling at all during the day. If I am bugling during the day, uh, it's on a very muted level because that's how these animals are acting in the naturals without you calling to them. So again, on the calling aspect, put a major focus in low light periods of the day. And then when you are pursuing them during the daylight, uh, you know, during the legal hunting hours, you're really toning down your calls. And that's going to be the biggest thing to increase your success. And then some portions of the state, though, uh, higher elevations, cooler temps, uh, the bulls are going gangbuster. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, but for the areas that are a little quieter, really think about locating those bulls in, in the extremely low light periods and really toning down your calls. And that's going to be the best way to increase that success. Right. Great information, Nate. I got, we got about a minute or two left. I, if you were going to go fishing, the fishing's been good all over. Karen and I went out and got some big smallies. Um, give me two, one or two places you would go. Absolutely. Uh, the two places, I'm actually heading to Spinney right now to catch some fish in between my morning and evening hunts that I'm doing, so I am taking full advantage of the bites. Um, but Spinney Mountain Reservoir, that trout bite is hot. The water is low. Uh, there is talk of pulling the docks. As of right now, they're, they're saying that you know, if the water drops a little bit, which I think it's going to actually tomorrow, uh, they might pull the docks. But as of right now, they're planning on remaining open to boating, but you might not have docks to, to get in and out of your boat with. So that is something that I would keep in mind. So, again, it, it sounds like uh, spinning is going to remain open for boating, but there might not be docks to use. Uh, so I would get up there and take advantage of that as soon as possible while that fall bite is so hot uh and then i'd also you cannot overlook the walleye bite on the front range uh you know a lot of people are are out there listening they know dustin sigler uh one of our main walleye guides he is catching giant fish uh i mean he's catching fish upwards of of 30 to 31 inches and honestly on a regular basis he's catching big fish so chatfield cherry creek walleye bite reaction baits uh south park big trout those are the two areas that i would definitely take advantage of and if people want to get more information or book a trip with you you know, you can find our website, tightlineoutdoors.com. Jump on Facebook. We always have a lot of information there. It's just Tightline Outdoors. Just seek out Tightline Outdoors, and uh, we can book a guide trip. We can help you out with some advice, whatever you need to, to become a better angler. All right, my friend. We will talk to you again next week. Have a good we'll fishing trip. Thank All right, you. Nate Zielinski. Nate Zielinski, we will take a quick time out. We come back. We're going to talk more fishing. Austin Parr is going to join us, and we're going to – Kind of go around the state and talk about some of the great fishing opportunities you'll find right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Just yesterday morning, they let me know you were James gone. Taylor, great, great songwriter. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones because I want to spend a lot of time with this guest. We're joined. We're going to take you around the state and talk fishing. We got Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Oh, always. You're always a great source of information. Nate kind of teased a little bit about Spinney and some of the Front Range lakes. Uh, there's a, you know, I know you're an avid hunter in addition to being an avid angler, and uh, this time of the year gets kind of difficult, doesn't it? Do you pick up the shotgun? Do you pick up the fishing rod? Do you pick up a bow or a rifle? It's just very difficult, but boy, I just have to spend time on the water, and it's a great time to be out there, isn't it? 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's fantastic hunting opportunities, but this time of the year really offers some of the best fishing of the year, in my opinion. Not only do you have good numbers of fish, and, and, and especially when you get the techniques right, you can have, have great days, but also there's a lot less people out on the water, both recreational traffic, as in jet skis and water skiers and wakeboard boats, but also fishing pressure. People are out in the field. People are doing other things, and the fish are still there, and right now they are really biting. Well, one of the things I love about fall, first of all, like you said, it's always less crowded. But as the water cools, you know, in the spring, the big fish become a little more vulnerable. And this varies somewhat by species, obviously. But then through the summer, through the summer, you can tend to find the more aggressive younger fish. And the big females tend to get pretty sulky and they get harder to find. But as we get towards fall and this time of the year, those big fish start intermingling and all of a sudden they're vulnerable again. You could catch the fish of a lifetime. Absolutely. And although we have not seen any over 30 inches yet this year, we have caught fish intermingling, as you mentioned, where there are certain times you might catch a 14 or a 15 incher. And then we've been having 24 to 26 inch fish come in on the same exact locations with the same exact techniques. And it really is your opportunity over the next several weeks here up until it starts getting really cold. And even then it still can be good. But right now the water's still warm enough that the fish are very active. They're eating a lot. And it's your opportunity to catch numbers and have that chance at the big fish. Where are some of the places you're hearing about good bites? So we've been on Chatfield a lot lately, and that bite has been very, very productive, actually, in a couple of different ways. Uh, The walleyes are on structure at the moment. There are some more bait fish than we've seen in years past out there, but they're still focusing generally on structure pretty heavily. So if you can find them along the edges of the gravel pits, I found them on the roadbed edges still pretty frequently, and they've still been somewhat shallower, and that certainly is a characteristic of a water temperature that's still in the 60s. So you'll find those fish dive a little bit deeper, especially after the water turns over in the fall when that, the densities change. But in that, in that neighborhood of 8 to 18 feet, that's kind of a, a wide-ranging area, but that certainly has been the areas we've been finding them. But on the edges of those structure points, and uh, my typical jigging wraps and blade baits have been very effective to imitate some of those wounded bait fish, and those fish have been jumping all over them. Some days they've been more uh, tending to eat a jigging wrap. Other days they've been more on the blade baits, and we've also been catching them on multiple different colors. So that we've been imitating the shad with more of the silvers and the whites, but we've also been adjusting and fishing more of the perch colors as well, and the perch colors on some days have been better, but other days it's gone the other way. So uh, certainly adapting this time of year and not trying to get into one specific pattern every single day will also help you to catch more fish. And uh, probably getting very close to where you can start using jigging spoons too. Definitely, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's what a about great opportunity, Jerry? and that's a technique that I think that gets overlooked a little bit this time of year. Oh, I think it's it's just tremendous. Uh, what about uh, Cherry Creek? A little different story there. A lot of bait fish. Tons and tons of bait fish. Totally different. So the, in that particular area, Chatfield, if you can find the bait fish, the fish have been near the bait fish. But the thing about Cherry Creek is that the bait fish are literally everywhere. So I've been having better success fishing shallow out there early in the morning. Same general thought process of the jigging wrap and the blade bait. But I've been doing more chrome and blue type colors on the blade baits. And then the jigging wraps, the whites have been effective. But also some more of the chartreuse back, uh, silver fluorescent chartreuse colors have been effective as well. But fishing more areas in that shallow water, they're challenging to find on the sonar when you're up in that six to eight foot range. So finding a, a likely area and casting to it has been effective. And then as the day progresses, we've been catching a few fish out off the edges of the drop-offs on the same techniques. But trolling also with as many bait fish are out there has proven to be effective. 
So trolling at Cherry Creek with just like shad wraps, that type of thing? I've been leaning on Salmo Hornets pretty heavily as of late. Uh, it's a small kind of stubby crankbait that's been very effective, but the flicker shads and the shad wraps certainly can also be effective. And I've been doing well, not necessarily perfectly imitating the hatch. So not getting you know, getting out of the, the straight silver colors, going more chartreuses have been effective, hot pinks have been good, and then purple chrome also has been effective in pretty much all of those. So trying to make your bait stand out a little bit more has at least been uh, really worthwhile for me. You know, I have a note right in front of me that I was going to bring up while we were talking about the Metro Lakes, and that was that um, Chatfield, because there's not as many bait fish, you might want to look like one of those shad, but in Cherry Creek, you might want to look like something else so you stand out, don't match the hatch, exactly what you said. Before we run out of time, let's go to some other opportunities. What else are you seeing or hearing out there? Certainly the mountain opportunities are very, very effective at the moment. So slipping up into Antero lately, we've been catching, or at least I've been hearing of people catching tons and tons of fish up there. The weed edges are still somewhat tall, but tube jigs on the outside edges of those have been effective. Certainly trolling out in the main area up really high in the water column. If you get down low at all, you're going to get into those weeds. That's been challenging. Spinny, although the water uh, level is falling, that bite really is starting to turn on up there as well. Uh, leeches on the fly rods have been really good, and then tube jigs also have been effective there. And then we've also been hearing that some of the uh, the lake trout have been starting to get going pretty darn effectively also. So Granby is starting to be turning on a little bit as of late, and up in that same valley might start thinking about some kokanee up at Wolford. Oh, absolutely. You know, and the kokanee are, are not only going to be starting to do a, a lake opportunity, but like down in this, uh, like, down by Gunnison, they're going to start running in the rivers, and what a great fly fishing opportunity that is. It, it really is, and typically down by Blue Mesa up in the Gunnison, that's going to be really your first opportunity across the state to have good, effective kokanee fishing up there, and I haven't heard of excessive numbers yet, but it is right on the cusp down there, and you can go and catch great numbers of kokanee salmon that are all really nice and large, actually, but then also have brown trout that are going right with those kokanees and have opportunities at, at trophies of both species. So fly fishing, but also conventional fishing can be good. Typically nymphing and throwing streamers is going to be more effective on the fly with bright eggs and worms uh, being some of my top selections, along with some smaller bright uh, clousers and leeches on my streamer selections. Okay, I got a couple questions came in on Facebook I want to try to address, and we may have to steal a minute from uh, Colorado clays, and I'll give it back to him at the end. JR can just wait a minute. That's okay. Now, <laughs> I had one guy call up. He's got a pontoon boat. He'd like to get out a couple more times. He's pretty much a troller. I don't know how how um, how advanced he is, but he lives in the Wheat Ridge area, would like to keep it under a two-hour drive. What kind of recommendations would you have? So if you want to target the walleyes, slipping over to Cherry Creek definitely is, is a good opportunity right there. But if you want to slip up and, and target some trout, which can be really effective this time of year, one that kind of comes to mind uh, is Dillon Reservoir. Although you might not have the, the largest of fish up there, you can get into multi-species with kokanees, Arctic char, and various trout species up there as well. And although you may be pushing a little bit further into South Park, going up to Spinney is going to be high on my list. But yet also Terriol Reservoir can offer great trolling opportunities for pike and trout both. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Terry All. That, and that'll do that for now. Hey, we're, we're, we are out of time, but any last-minute bite you want to make sure we get in here? 
So I just really want to focus that during the fall right now, it's, it's a great multi-species opportunity. So focusing on the walleye certainly is there, but up into the mountains, we're going to have trout running all across the board. So maybe slipping into some areas like the dream stream or various other inlets uh, will provide some good brown trout action over the next few weeks. If somebody wants more information, where do they find you, Austin? I'm a discount fishing tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, my friend. Always great information. We need to book two segments. You and I never can get it done in one. Thanks for joining <laughs> us today. Thanks Thank for you, joining Jay. us. I really appreciate today. it. You bet. Austin Parr, great. And JR, I didn't make you wait too long. We're going to get to you right after this time out on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. Every light is burning in a house across town. She's pacing Jerry by the outdoors is bought, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. You know, whether you're kayaking, fishing, hunting, even grilling, which I'm going to do a little later today, they can take care of all your needs. Stop by and just check out a Jack's store near you. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us, our good friend, who I know is patiently waiting for us, J.R. Pierce. Good morning, J.R. Good morning, Terry. Sorry you had to wait, but I had to get those questions into Austin. We will give you plenty of time, I promise. That sounds good. And you know what? You can never go wrong listening to Austin. I will say that. Well, he's a great angler and a great source of information. And you know what? This is kind of a tough time on you right now, too, because in addition to the shotgunning and all the things that Guan will talk about at Colorado Clay's, you're an avid angler, so it's got to kind of tug at you a little bit sometimes when we have all these different hunting opportunities coming up or going on, yet some of the best fishing of the year. It just got probably pulls at your strings a little bit, too. You know, Terry, it does get tough at times. Um, all I can say is it does just make me appreciate the time on the water that much more. But uh, you know as well as anybody, I hate missing out on fall bites. Oh, I know. But you know what? There's also a ton of different kinds of hunting going on. We've got muzzleloader going on right now, I believe. We've got rifle seasons for deer and elk coming up. We've got the shotguns we, where teal season is on. We're going to see some more up, dove season still on. We'll see some more upland game coming up soon, and we'll see a lot of waterfall. You know, we have waterfall opportunities like eight months out of the year. So if people really, whatever hunting they're into, they can sharpen their skills at Colorado Clays, can't they? Well, and, you know, Terry, that's a good point. And, you know, it seems everyone is looking for those kind of fun friends and family type of outdoor activities now anyway. And that is what makes Colorado Clays the perfect destination, to come out and enjoy some recreational shooting for whatever your reason might be. Because, you know, Terry, not only are we a public access facility available to everyone with no memberships required, and we're here year-round. And, you know, with the Colorado Clay Shooting Park spread out on our huge 120-acre facility, we are still able to do what we've been doing for the last 24 years, and that is provide Colorado's front-range communities with Colorado's premier public shooting facility. And like you said, Terry, with so many different ranges, fields, and courses, we truly have something for everyone here at Colorado Clays. And as always, this includes our state-of-the-art semi-outdoor rifle and pistol facility that features 10 bays of pistol with a 0 to 25-yard target return system, 10 bays of rifle 
um, with 50 and 100-yard target options and a video viewing system for the real-time side-in. And if you've never done that, you got to try it. And then, of course, both sides have padded benches, rest, light, radiant heat, the best staff in the industry, and more. So uh, can't go wrong in there. Of course, we still have our seven regulation ATA trap fields, plus our training trap, which like I say, Terry is dedicated just for beginners, shooting lessons, and much more. Uh, the two NSSA certified skeet fields with wobble trap overlays, so those uh, upland hunters have got to try those. A shotgun patterning area, which we've went over many times, is priceless. And one of the most beautiful 15-station sporting clays courses you'll find anywhere. And, you know, Terry, if that isn't enough, we even have picnic shelters, tables, and a playground for the kids. Yeah, it's it's a tremendously friendly place, good people, um, and just great shooting opportunities. And it is, uh, you know, I always say shooting is a perishable skill, and you have to practice. And, you know, so many hunters put their guns away all year and then come out just before they go. They maybe go shoot one time or, or go try to sight their gun in. And so many opportunities are lost just because if you haven't worked on that muscle memory, if you haven't worked on your trigger control and your sight pattern, if you haven't had somebody watch you and go, hey, you're, you're bringing that up to your shoulder like this, does that gun fit you right? There's just so many things that go on. In fact, you have special clinics you dedicate to those kind of things. Well, and you're right, Terry. And, you know, uh, here at Colorado Clays, we have a wide variety of instructional educational and certification opportunities available through Colorado Clays and our professional staff. And like I say, it can never go wrong just coming out to practice, Terry, but uh, sometimes it's worth uh, signing up for something extra. So, I mean, even the shotgunners, whether you're a beginner or an experienced shooter, uh, we have introductory shotgun clinics. Uh, those are education and application. And what I mean, uh, you go in there, you do classroom and learn a bunch of stuff, and then you go right out and apply that in a shooting uh, on one of our fields. So great option there. Uh, we do have individual or group instruction through the pros here at Colorado Place. So by simply calling us, tell us what you want. If you're an individual, maybe you have a family or a birthday or a or some kind of reunion or possibly bachelor, bachelorette parties, um, even big groups, fundraisers, corporate events, we can set up instruction for the people that need it or want it and, and make your event a perfect day. Uh, rifle sighting clinic, can't say enough about this. That's going on right now on Sunday mornings, and this is for anyone who wants to learn everything you need to know about rifle. I mean, safety, shooting techniques, sight-in, and just so much more in one very condensed class. And then, Terry, we've talked about the concealed carry classes here at Colorado Clays. They are done by the highest-level instructors and are the most educational, comprehensive, hands-on class you're going to find anywhere. So just a simple phone call or visit and anything you need, uh, you can do it here at Colorado Clays. Well, in that rifle sighting class uh, clinic, you get so much more than just getting your rifle sighting. You get it checked out. Is my scope mount? Are my scope mounts good? Is there? Is my scope functioning properly? Has it been damaged? And and can I get it on paper quickly so then I, you know, if I've been bore sighted, or can you bore sight it? Help me and and get it on paper so I can make the adjustments. There's so many things, little nuances that 
uh, an average hunter probably overlooks or isn't quite sure of, and having a clinic there to help really makes a difference. Did you you were telling me you and I were talking during the week, and you said something about some special events for charity and things too. You have a lot of that going on. Well, Terry, you know I'll tell you what. Right now, um, we do we do fundraisers for many different things, but I often have people say, "Hey, you know, Jr. I love shooting around the clays, but I'd like to do it in a a format, a group format, and have it be for a cause and possibly for you know some prizes or something fun." Well, every year we do the Just for Jay Bustin Clays event. And this event, every penny raised goes to benefit children in the Denver area facing medical challenges. So you're never going to find a better cause. Uh, it's on October 4th, Sunday, October 4th this year. And, Terry, just real quick, there's a little fella. Uh, he's kind of our, our focus this year for the fundraiser. His name is Xander. And this little fellow has been having surgery after surgery on his head, and uh, we are going to try and get enough money to help him uh, have the opportunity to have a good, healthy life. And all of the funds that we raise at this event are going to help alleviate the financial burden on Xander's family and show our support for his struggles. So I encourage everyone, if you want to come out, have a good time. Uh, spend some money for a cause that really matters and is local, uh, this is the event. Your uh, registration is going to get you, of course, your 100 clays, a full round of sporting clays on the Colorado Clays course. Uh, everybody will get a T-shirt. They're doing lunch. We're going to have swag bags, drink tickets, and two entries into the giveaway. So everybody that comes uh, is going to be entered to uh, win whatever this giveaway prize is as well. So it, this is a can't-go-wrong uh, great cause, and I would like everyone to do it. Registration, go online, just for j slash den, which is J-U-S-T-F-O-R-J slash D-E-N. Uh, get in there, sign up, come out, have a good day with us, and we'll see if we can help Xander out. All right. My friend, we're out of time. If people want more information, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, give us a call, Terry, 303 303- Six five nine seven one one seven, or go to our website coloradoclays.com. Take the virtual tour, see what we're about, and then come see us. Hey, and the last question I have is, how come you didn't call back and join Karen and I catching those big smallmouth? Well, I think it happened the same way I did last time, Terry. I got the pictures after you got home, um, <laughs> and I probably w- was uh, thinking he might have been a plumber. Not a fisherman. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that happened, too. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. All right. Thanks, Terry. Thanks, JR from Colorado Clays. By the way, I keep forgetting to mention that we've talked a lot of fishing on the show today. Almost everything we've talked about is available in video on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And we have shows where we traveled all over from the Arctic Circle to the equator, but about half the shows on that channel are filmed right here, and almost everything we talked about fishing-wise on the show is on a video on that YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Also, we post on our um, Facebook page a lot of things like answers to trivia 
And when we're putting new videos up and a lot of field reports like I'm going to talk about in the next segment. And if you've been paying attention, you might know we're going to have a trivia. And I think we might just give away a $50 gift card after this time out on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Um, I promised you a trivia question. We're going to give away a $50 gift card to Jack's Outdoor Gear. And uh, over the course of time on this radio show, we've had many Hall of Fame outdoorsmen, especially Hall of Fame anglers. So the first person that texts the name of two of those Hall of Fame anglers to 303-713-1043 is going to get a $50 gift card to Jack's. That's two the name of two Hall of Fame anglers that have appeared over the last, well, it's almost 23 years now on this radio show. You get a chance for a $50 gift card. And, you know, speaking of our trivia, we always post the answer on our Facebook page. So you should follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and you'll know when it's coming up. You'll be ready for the giveaway. You might win some great prizes, but you should follow us on Facebook anyway. For instance, we did a um, – Karen and I were out doing a little smallmouth bass fishing. We were actually testing the boat, some equipment we had ch- fixed up, and spent about an hour fishing, got into some very large small, smallmouth bass and horse tooth. In fact, we only got into one that was probably under 16, 17 inches. The rest were all bigger. But we put a post on about that. We told you what lure we were using, what depth we were fishing, we showed you a picture of the lure. We showed you a picture of some of the bigger fish. And by the way, Karen would have caught a bigger fish than me in that outing, except it came on button right at the boat. It was just a monster. But then we also, if we get like a friend of mine, Jim Randash, a former professional walleye trail champion, is fishing Colorado this weekend. And very likely we'll get a report from him that we'll post. He's down at Pueblo. And the initial report I got that they were catching fish from 12 to 20 feet on a jig and a night crawler, but then the subsequent report I got that more and bigger fish were coming on uh, uh, jigging wraps and jigging spoons in about 35 feet of water. So a lot of great, great information like that on um, on our Facebook page, and you should follow us, and the YouTube channel. I told you also, you know, like we talked about Deckers today. That's on our YouTube channel. We talked about the kokanee, fly fishing for kokanee up at the Gunnison. That's on our YouTube channel. Many, many of the uh, the outings we talked about, Cherry Creek and Chatfield, there's episodes there on our YouTube channel that you can go and get firsthand information that you can see how it's done and then go out and use that right here in your backyard. Also great destinations. But follow us on Facebook, uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Like I said, if you'd have been there on Facebook following us, you would have known that we listed about eight of those Hall of Fame anglers on that uh, trivia, 20-plus years of trivia post. And I, apparently, if Dan is in the studio, somebody also listed one state champion bowler. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. Is that right? I, I was going to go with uh, Jimmy Houston and uh, Bob Clouser for my so I could win the gift card, by the way. Well, you are the king of trivia, but you're not eligible to win. Right. So somebody mentioned a, a certain Hall of Fame uh, state champion bowler. Well, that was nice of them. That was cool. Yeah, I think it was you who mentioned it. Uh, well, let's not name names, Perry. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I heard you talking about you know your little trip out on the lake, 
And yes, as always, that's always nice of Karen to let you. You're the ultimate photo bomber, man. Like, because I I've watched you your videos because that's something else you post on your Facebook site. Uh, a couple of weeks back, it's you and another guy out there fishing. Uh, you're holding up his fish like it's like your fish, man. Like you're the ultimate photo bo- fish photo bomber is what we're gonna call you. They're man. all they're all my fish. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's nice of Karen to let you hold up her fish, as always. Hey, changing gears on you a little bit. I'm sure you got a lot to talk about. Uh, first of all, the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are finally going to meet their match in this series. Um, the Rockies aren't worth talking about. The Avalanche are done. But the Broncos, uh, two things have just jumped out at me. First of all, the number of free agents they've signed in the last two years that haven't played because of injury or hold out or opt out. Um, and that's really showing the lack of depth they've had in the draft, or it may, we'll see, we're going to find out because if you're just always going to rely on free agents, you're not seeming to be building depth in the draft here. And then I, I want to make this statement because the jury's out yet, but some great coordinators don't necessarily make head coaches. Any of those topics coming up today with you? Absolutely. Real quick, though, Terry, uh, Matt McKnight would appear to be the big trivia winner, so congratulations to Matt McKnight. Um, oh, good. Yeah, but uh, James Merlat, we're going to have him on. Talk about overreaction. Talk about knee-jerk. He wants Vic Fangio fired today, like before the game <laughs> even starts. Um, I don't think – I never thought Vic Fangio was the right guy. I, I think it would be disastrous probably to, you know, pull the, pull the uh, plug after one game. I think – the Broncos still – it was dis- discouraging that they lost that game because they could have and probably should have won the game. And you were right, Terry. The drafts haven't been good. They've, they've had some problems with free agency. But they still have some pieces here to make the playoffs. After week one, I haven't changed my opinion that with, you know, two, three wild card spots, that two of them at the very least are completely up for grabs right now. You know, there might be one, you know, with the Steelers and the Ravens in the same division, you'd say, okay, well, one of those guys is going to get probably the wild, you know, the first wild card spot. But after that, it's completely open season. So I'm not well, and, doomsday. And, I think uh, the Broncos still have a shot. Well, and I, I, I thought they had a shot to make the playoffs this year, and I still do. I kind of thought that they'd win one or two of these first four games, but I was really counting on that home opener, which. You know, I, I, I'll tell you, I think Drew Locke played pretty well. He had he didn't get a lot of support from his receivers. Of course, Sutton was out, and um, and then he had those drops. But uh, but I still think you're right. There's a lot of pieces there, and they could be a good team. And they've still got some good defense. I think we're going to find out Sunday whether these young cornerbacks can hold up if we don't get the pass rush we're hoping for. Yeah, no, so um, – I. It, by the way, all this week, everybody's acting like the Steelers are, you know, the uh, you know '90s Cowboys or something. Like uh, the Steelers are completely unbeatable just because they beat up on a bad Giants team. Terry, can we give some people some hope? Oh yeah, I think the Steelers. I mean, you know, I know they didn't have Roethlisberger, but the Steelers are beatable, and he's, you know, what he starts, they can get a few hits on him. He's been injured a lot lately. That could show. Hey, I better wrap up this show so you can get in depth and talk about this. Why don't stuff. we? Uh, why don't we close out with "Here Comes the Sun" by the Beatles? No, we're not. So we'll 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 be. Uh, 
I want to thank people for listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors every Saturday at 9 to 11. Tune in, follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Watch our YouTube, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Thanks to Kyle and Karen for making this show work and keep me on the air. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and sports with Dan Jacobs on 104.3 The Fan. 